Welcome to Long Story Long. I'm your host, Lisa Curry. Today's guest is the hilarious and talented, um, those are the same thing, uh, very talented and hilarious <laughs> comedian, writer, producer, Jeffrey Elizabeth Copeland. Welcome to the show. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, thank you so much for being on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. Um, I. Uh, so we were talking right before we started recording. You're from Atlanta? Mm-hmm. I am born, and well, here's the thing. Technically, it's right outside of Atlanta. It's like Marietta, which is not that cool. So I just say oh, okay. Atlanta. Yeah. <laughs> I That's the bane of my existence because I grew up an hour outside of Chicago, but in inside of Indiana. So I say Chicago and then people from the city are like, absolutely not. Don't you dare. <laughs> but then people from like Southern Illinois say Chicago and everyone's okay with it. I'm like, they're five hours away. <laughs> I'm right. a Bulls fan. Give this to me. <laughs> nice, 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 nice. Uh, uh, anyway, when you were growing up, did you know you wanted to get into comedy? Uh, you know, I knew I wanted to write. Like, I would always, like, write stories and, like, make up fake adventures with, like, my friends and write them down. Um, I love that. Like, yeah. what kind of adventures? Like, so I re- remember this one time we uh, had, like, a field trip to, I think it was, like, the Chattanooga Zoo or something. I don't know. And mm-hmm. I, like, wrote a story where instead of, like, coming home at the end of the day on the bus, we all got lost. And, like, we had to, like, find, you know, the people that went missing. And then, like, somebody fell uh-huh. in a hole, which is, like, kind of weird. Like, I don't know why my brain works that way. But I, I just enjoy writing based off of life. And, like, if things were to, like, take a yeah. twist. Yeah. Yeah. And there was a classmate that you very much wanted to push into a <laughs> hole at the time, I assume. <laughs> right. I mean, that was the sign. Somebody should have been like, this child needs therapy. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, that sounds like a fun kit like that could be equivalent to like a night at the museum going to the zoo and you all get lost there so yeah. it's a bunch of kids lost at the i mean that sounds like a great time it is it's like 19 children. yeah 1990s 2000 parenting like that's it that's yeah oh yeah, yeah. My, <laughs> like my parents were like i mean are you working at the zoo what's going on <laughs> um, don't come home until you get a paycheck i'm like i'm eight <laughs> right right um so you're writing these stories is this something your family nurtured were they like hell yeah or were they like typical p- parents of the time that are like doctor or lawyer <laughs> yeah, you know, it's it's funny. My my dad was definitely like, you know, we are not supporting like a, a comedy writing degree, whatever that is, right? Like but my <laughs> but like my mom is like and he's supportive too, but I, I think it's just one of those things of like you care about your kids, you want them to have dental insurance, and I also want to have dental insurance, you know. So yeah. I, I think they've been supportive, but also like you gotta pay bills, which has been it's been good, I'm thankful. Yeah. 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 Well, I think that that's a lot of it comes out of protection. I mean, even I have friends that are writers whose parents are TV writers and their parents were like, don't do this. Oh, wow. (laughs) Which is like, makes me wonder what the hell I'm doing sometimes. Yeah, that's terrible. I wish you wouldn't have told me that. That is awful. We just got to plow forward. Um, (laughs) So did you um, did you jump right into comedy and writing out of high school or did you end up going to college? Yeah, so I I went to school and I I did journalism and then I I worked. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did journalism and then I worked at CNN for like a semester as like a desk intern, which at the time you didn't even get paid and it was a lot of work. And I was just like, man, I yeah, hate... Yeah, well, CNN's a little startup, so that makes <laughs> <laughs> Right, like, what is Warner Brothers? But anyway, um, yeah. like, I, I started there, and I, like, 
did not like it at all. And so one of my friends put me on and he was like, yo, like there's this place and they do like television production and like you should get a job over there. And I was like, oh yeah, man, I don't need to go to Hollywood. We can stay in Silver mm-hmm. Spring, Maryland, baby. And I went and they <laughs> they like did all of like the, do you remember those like sexy murder shows that used to come out of like, like they'd have like the recree and like the reenactments. Oh and yeah, yeah. I did. Oh, yeah. yeah, it was that. It was that, and I did that for a few years. And it was. You, wait, you wrote for those? No, 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 no. I was like a PA and like a coordinator. Oh okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did that for a few years and just kind of like figured out what I wanted to do. And then I was like, you know what? My cousin or my cousin, my aunt, gave me a copy of Bossy Pants. You know, and obviously I. Oh lo- yeah. Yeah, love Tina Fey, love SNL, and I was like, oh, this is how I can write comedy and get paid to do it. All I have to do is like get on an improv team and then SNL calls you and that's it. But they really make you think that when yeah, you sign yeah. up for improv. Yeah, I, I've, I've spent a lot of money on improv. Anyway, um, so yeah. yeah, so it was like, okay, either Chicago or New York. And I was like, Chicago is like too cold, but I love it, you know. So mm-hmm. I came to New York and then I started taking classes at like UCB and then the pit and then eventually got on teams there and just kept doing it and, you know, just started making my own stuff and hope to, I don't know, one day break into a room and be equally unhappy, it sounds like. <laughs> uh, that's hilarious. I do, uh, yeah, improv. We've I did Second City for a long time. And I, I think, you know, I paid like 10 grand to learn Zip Zap Zop. Which is... <laughs> 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 A dark time uh, <laughs> but it does it does really help and I think that um you know like the the things that you learn in improv are good building blocks for later I find that it's helped with writing a lot I mean I I'm assuming you've felt the same yeah you know it's 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 funny like I definitely think improv has helped me to come out of my shell like I, I was kind of like an a, a bit of a, an introvert if I'm honest with myself you know what I mean uh-huh. like and for a long time I was like all I want to do is write I don't want to talk to other people I don't want to be around other people but I think you know how it goes like improv is like it's like the best cult you'll ever join like everybody's yes. like yes <laughs> and let's be around each other all the time like let's make yeah. a musical like it's just it's just great it's great for everything I love it <laughs> yeah it is a lot of fun wait how how long were you at CNN? Just like literally six months. Like it was literally like, oh my God, I hate this. And I think it was, it was when there was like a Supreme Court decision that had come out and they got it wrong. And I was like oh no. on the steps of the Supreme Court that day and I just watched it unfold. And it was like, everybody kind of followed like Fox News or something. It was just, it was gross. And I was like, is this our news system? Like, I don't want to be a part of this. So. Yeah, it's pretty <laughs> bad. I feel like I watch PBS all the time because I'm like, at least that's, accurate i think (laughs) (laughs) right right i don't know what's going on the 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 concept of the free internship has got to die it can't keep going on that's crazy well it's like you're getting a uh, it's like you would think at least you'd get like you know like a free book or like some snacks (laughs) or something and like at the time it was in DC and the cost of living in DC is really high, especially if you're oh, yeah. like, you know, right out of college and you don't have family and it's just like, okay, let's not do this anymore, America. Yeah, it's all it's all built uh, it seemingly deliberately for uh, a very small portion of people to be able to do. <laughs> um, right. I'll just keep it nice. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so did you, did you work beyond that? Did you work in journalism at all? Like when you were doing stand up and I mean, I assume when you're doing improv and stuff, 
did you go straight? Sorry, I have 10 different thoughts coming out at once. No, I love uh, it. It's clogging the drain of my mind. <laughs> um, did you move straight from D.C. to New York then? Yeah, so I, I was in D.C. for a while and I kept like working like my day job was like working in post-production right so I like started mm-hmm. off as like a post coordinator and just kind of like moved up the ranks and I was in DC and I stayed there for like four or five more years I did some classes at the wit and then eventually got on a team at uh big which is the Baltimore improv group oh nice yeah 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 and then from there I did a doc in Texas and was at the Dallas uh-huh. uh comedy house for a year and then I went to New York and I've been in New York for like seven years and like nice yeah 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 do you love it I love making people laugh, you know, and I, I think honestly, and I don't want to sound corny, but like I, and I'm kind of ashamed for saying this, but I need to live my truth. No, I was, don't be, yeah. <laughs> I was listening to Tyler Perry this morning, which like love him or hate him. He's done some amazing things. And he's done quite a lot. Yeah. He, oh my gosh. Yeah. And like one of the things that he talks about is like, you know, living in your intention and like knowing what your intention is in with your art. And I think for me, it's mm-hmm. like, you know, as a woman and as like a black person, I feel like there's a bit of just like a privilege that comes with being able to make people laugh through talking about certain things. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so I think for me, it's like, I love to make people laugh. I love to bring a smile to their face. And I also love to just like, talk about things and like bring up discussions because like mm-hmm. this world is like cuckoo bananas but i think Ooh, boy. yeah it's it's a lot but i think being able to like talk about things through comedy kind of takes the edge off a little bit you know mm-hmm. yeah absolutely do you um find that your journalism degree takes uh plays into that and like sp- speaking about the things that matter most to you i think so yeah because i think I think the thing about journalism, not so much now, but like I think at its core is like always asking questions and being inquisitive and like trying to figure out answers or what is the question that is happening here. And I think that's something that I bring with me to my writing of like, okay, what are we asking? Like, what are these characters wanting? What is the vibe? You know, so I think it definitely paid off, which is great because journalism degrees aren't cheap. So I'm glad. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, not at all. It's funny. I had Roy Wood Jr. on last week and, um, which will air this, whatever. Why am I going on about that? Um, that will already be over, but he also has a degree in journalism and I'm like, oh, that's so funny to, I guess, to end up in news comedy or to end up uh, as yourself, like, you know, talking about things that matter Yeah. (laughs) in comedy. And I find that also... It's funny that like as inaccurate as the news news can be there, it feels like because I like to, I do a lot of like sociopolitical or political comedy and I, I, I feel a responsibility to uh, have my premise start with something that is definitely true. I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way because otherwise your people aren't going to pay attention to the joke because they're like, well, false premise. We don't care. Yeah, well, it's so it's so funny that you bring that up because I I one thousand percent agree, and I think especially with like stand up in particular, right? Like, yeah. you know how it is. Like, if you hit the stage and you're you're not authentic, or people think you're fake, or they're not feeling it, or they're just they can't connect with you. You know what I mean? Or whatever your truth is. Like, I think people feel that, and I think yeah, you know, especially it's funny. I just did a show the other day at uh, Harlem Comedy Club, and like. I gotta be honest with you, doing black clubs is like, woo, like you'll feel the heat if you are not honest and they will tell you. So it's <laughs> like... But conversely, 
<laughs> they'll let you know if you're doing great. Where like I find that <sighs> look, I'm a white lady saying yeah. like <laughs> white audiences, especially in Europe, tend to be like super quiet mm. and then they'll just kind of like nod or afterwards they'll be like, that was great. And you're like, you so you know this is like a space for you to laugh. <laughs> like that's kind of <laughs> like <laughs> or anytime if I'm if I'm doing a show uh, and I don't know if you've I'm wondering if you've noticed this as well if I'm doing a show and I'm like who here has a dog a hundred percent of the time white people will like nod I'm like this is like for the rest of the crowd too and I started calling it out I'm like great everyone heard that thank you <laughs> you know I sometimes I think it's just like and I, I'm guilty of this too when I go to shows like you're just like mm-hmm. it's, you're just in a weird space or like you don't want to share yeah, yeah. or like you don't want to be that person you know um, yeah. but that's funny that's really really funny that is funny well and comics tend to sit in the back of the room and go oh yeah hilarious yeah mm-hmm. yeah right <laughs> right like we're a substitute teacher <laughs> <laughs> it is uh, so ridiculous so uh, tell me about your show Blackout that you're touring yeah, so Blackout is just the biggest, blackest, you know, most real comedic, comedic, oh my god, my brain is fried. Blackout is just the realest, <laughs> blackest comedic experience that, mm-hmm. you know, I could create and push to the world. And I think the thing that makes it special is like it's a mix of sketches that all touch on different parts of like black life or, you know, black culture, African American culture you know, women's perspectives. And it also is, everything is connected by this through line of this fake sitcom called Jeffrey in the House. And so- I love it. <laughs> yeah. And like uh, with each, you know, like show that we do, it starts with the characters in the sitcom and they're like dealing with something. And then the reality is like broken by this EP that you never see. That's kind of like the voice of like everything bad. And then throughout the show, they're working to, in the first episode, they're working to get the show back on. And so they have to create this sketch show. And that's like the premise. Uh-huh. Um, and I, it's funny cause I recently, I saw uh, Ain't No Mo. And I don't know if you've, if you've seen it, but it it did I've not. It, oh my god have you have you ever heard it did, have you I'm heard writing it that down okay yeah definitely check it out but it's like it's a sketch show and it's written by the, this guy and he's like the youngest writer in the history of broadway this like young african-american guy Whoa. yeah it's crazy it's so it's so good but <clears throat> the premise is like what would a world be like if you know all black people were given a chance to like go back to africa which is like a crazy concept saying it out uh-huh. loud right but it's it's interesting to watch him explore that premise through different sketches. And so watching that really inspired me to be like, wow, like you can really push the boundaries of a sketch show. And I think, you know, throughout my comedic life, like I've seen so many different sketch shows by African-Americans, you know, that just touch and resonate in a really special way. Like we all remember the one time wherever we were when we saw like the cowboy, cowbell sketch, right? Or like where sure, we, yeah. yeah, where we were when we saw like the, the Rick James sketch. And I think having the ability, yeah, like having the ability to like quickly convey social commentary and then tie Mm -hmm. it back to like a main through line. And like all of our cast is black as the writer and director. Like I'm obviously black. Like it's just a great vibe. Like it's cool. Yeah. I love that. And it's, um, yeah, I think, I, I think it's important to have fun and just do silly shit. But then I think it's also, 
you know, obviously very important to speak to things you care about and get people to uh, get people on your side. I mean, not that like, I'm not saying that like you have to fucking, I'm suggesting you have to like teach white people something. <laughs> um, That's a big <laughs> order. Like, <laughs> And I think, un- unfortunately, that's a lot of what the industry is like. Now, why don't you teach us some lessons? <laughs> and it's like, why don't you open up your textbook? Um, I, f- I, I find that my goal a lot of times, because I'm very progressive, uh, but I happen to tour through the Midwest sometimes and the Bible built. <laughs> yeah. And they may not agree with me. But I'm like, uh, you know, I think the goal with comedy for a lot of people is just make it so fucking funny that they ha- abs- have to laugh at it. Yeah. And have to laugh at themselves for their absurdity. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's it, it, that's all you can do. And I think, you know, going back to what you were saying earlier, like if you come from an honest perspective and an honest point mm-hmm. and you just single in on like whatever that crazy fucking thing is and you make it funny, then suddenly there's discussion yeah. and people are talking about it and they don't remember that it's something that makes them uncomfortable or it's something that like they wouldn't yeah. want to talk about otherwise. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, absolutely. And I think a lot more people are open to having their minds changed than we think or than than we assume a lot of times. You know, I've had my mind changed about a hundred things. And a lot of it is through comedy. As a matter of fact, I have a friend who grew up, not to, sorry, this is another tangent, but an, a friend of mine grew up fundamentalist Mormon and and became an atheist after seeing the South Park Mormon episode, which I'm like, that is where he was watching it. And he's like, oh, we're insane. (laughs) And I'm like, what a crazy, like to have that in your bones and your whole life. That's how you grow up and what you're taught. And then to see 30 minutes of truly shitty animation. I mean, I really, (laughs) obviously, I like South Park, but the, you know, it's not, um, we're not dealing with high-end animation (laughs) but to see that and be like my whole life is a lie (laughs) is so fucking funny to me like and I think that it's it's also I wonder what your perspective is on uh comedy informing people versus news informing people because it feels like more um, I'll say more of our generation is kind of informed by The Daily Show or Last Week Tonight or something that's not <laughs> cable news. Yeah, it's it's so funny that you you bring that up because uh, when I was when I was at CNN and when I was in college, like that was what I wanted to do was like The Daily Show or like you know be on the 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 news desk at you know Thirty Rock or whatever. Like that was the the goal because I think. I think the dynamic of like what news and what information is has changed so much that like, oh, absolutely. you know, you're more likely to get facts from a John Oliver, right? Or from a Roy Wood Jr. than you might be from like a, you know, cable syndicate. And that's not even like, you know, I also want to make clear that, and I'm sure you feel the same way, right? Like, it's not even like this one is bad, but like this one is good. It's kind of like, they're all kind of trash, you know? They're all bad. <laughs> right, like... It's like, okay, I love you, Rachel Maddow, enjoy Reed. Everyone else can go to hell. But it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just like, I think that because comedy is always based in truth and you can never have a joke that is funny and it's not true or like, you know, a, a, a comedic concept that is not 
real or authentic. I think that having that in news is just like, it's a beautiful pairing. And, you know, I think ultimately that is what will happen is like a lot of like the comedy news, and I'm just gonna call this, Jeffrey's calling it, okay? A lot of like (laughs) the comedy news that we have will end up being like, you know, the, the, not the gold star, but I think it'll lead the trend in like journalism and what people consume is like news and content, you know? Yes. Yeah. I, I, I think that's a great prediction because like I know all the all the comedy shows have researchers. I was on Jim Jeffrey's show and we had researchers and I know for last week tonight they have like actual former journalists so they get all the things right and I think that I mean now I'm just being mean but I I think that that that's part of why like what you were saying about starting in a place that's not truthful. I'm like, that's why conservative comedy sucks because their premise will be something like, you know, you know, well, what's going on with trans people? They're just cutting off their dicks at a Seven Eleven, and it's like, what, Ugh. what, Ugh. what's going on? <laughs> what's happening, everyone? That's not even, and I don't even think like any subject is off limits but they start from such a bizarro place where they've come up with this like fantastical scenario that doesn't actually exist and it's like okay and i'm being broad and if somebody out there is listening and they're like that's not true okay um write it on a piece of paper and throw it away i don't care (laughs) (laughs) nice nice. (laughs) so um how long did it put did it take you to put your show together um blackout and it, and do you feel that it's completed where it's at now or is it still do you still morph it as you go along yeah so it it took a couple of years to put the show together so like what full disclosure what happened was i started writing some of those sketches right before the pandemic hit and so ucb they did like a ucb new york did a black history month show and so I wrote a bunch of material for that. And I remember that was one of the last shows that they did before UCB New York shut down. And so I, I had some material that I already had, excuse me, I had some material that I had already written that was ready to go that I was like, man, this needs an audience. Like, I want to like put that out there. And then some material that I just wrote more recently, you know, because there was some stuff in the show that's like we have a sketch about like black maternal death. And then, you know, we had a sketch about like, you know, black people turning 30 and getting older. And so I think that's the beauty of this show is like it kind of shows the evolution of like, you know, this was me then and like this is my perspective now. And I think the thing that is so exciting about the show and I cannot wait for people to see it is like the material can be switched out, right? So like ultimately Mm -hmm. the way that I see the show happening is like as we go from city to city, the Jeffrey in the house beats will be switched out. So it's almost like you're, it's like a narrative thread of like a six episode story arc. And so every show is gonna have a different arc of like, this is what the characters in the sitcom are doing. And then for the sketches, we'll switch those out depending on the city, depending on what's happening in the news. You know, I'm writing some new material now. It's like, I, as soon as we get off the phone or off the the Zoom, whatever, whatever this is, Uh go check, please go check out Ain't No Mo so you can see what can be done through a sketch show. Because I think there's so many things that I think like we as 
women or as, you know, people of color or as maybe, you know, neurodivergent folks that we can communicate to people and sketch is the best way to do that because it's short, it's not too long. But the thing that makes Blackout different is it has this through line. So you're connecting to these characters that are in the show, you're connecting to like whatever their plight is. And you're also getting a little bit of medicine of like, this is why white supremacy is bad. So it's good. It's a good time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, I was going to say also, uh, so I'm sorry, I'm hold everyone. I'm writing notes so that I don't, because <laughs> so, my brain is too many thoughts are coming out at once. I also love uh, that you're doing this as a woman because I feel like men dominate the comedy space so much. And I think, I feel like when we think of uh, political comedy, and social commentary in the black comedy space. Everyone's like Chris Rock, Dave Chappelle, Larry Wilmore. And I think somebody, I fucking loved Amber Ruffin's show so much. It was so fresh and so different. Um, but I think people don't, it takes a while for them to go down the list to think of like Amber Ruffin or Holly Wartell, who was at, um, Larry Wilmore and that, you know, like the, some of the, I think there's not a lot of female voices in that space or they're, oh, more accurately, they're overlooked. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's so, it's so crazy because I think we're at this like really interesting point now where I, I think because there's like a gamillion streamers, you know what I mean? Like there's more opportunity for more voices, which I'm so thankful for, right? Like I'm thankful for the Robin Thedes. I'm thankful for the Sam Jays, yeah. like all these like dope black women and, and non-binary folks that are like putting the material out there and like, you know, kind of what I look at as like, oh, this can be done. This can be achieved, right? Like I think I think it's so dope and I think we need more, right? Like I think we need more black female voices. We need more black female trans voices. We need more, you know, black non-binary voices. And like, you know, I also just want to put out a call to action. If you are a black trans woman and you work in comedy, like holler at your girl. We want to have you on the crew. Cause I think yeah, that's the beautiful thing about blackout is like, it's not just supposed to be about my experiences. Like, you know, uh, a cis black woman it's supposed to be about inclusive of different experiences and we have people on our team who are afro-caribbean we have people on our team who are afro-latinx who are you know from different perspectives and different points of the black experience because like uh -huh. i think that's one thing that like even me as a black person like i was not aware of is like there's so many different types of black in this world and i yeah. think that we kind of get tricked into thinking like oh it's just this and that's it but like there's textures to it and i think that there's like depth to it and maybe you know a black person's experience from florida is very different than a black person's experience from oklahoma oh yeah yeah and so i think you know, I'm excited for the show because we can show as many different experiences as we can with each show because it is sketch, because we can dip in and dip out and keep moving because we have a very diverse cast. And I'm just really, ex I don't know, I'm, ex I'm ex it's an exciting show. I love that. <laughs> I think that's very exciting. I really want to see it yeah. <laughs> immediately. Um, <laughs> if it's not too much trouble, if you could swing by my place like this <laughs> evening. <laughs> Drop off a DVD. Um, I will yeah. do. Yeah, um, I love I love that point also of there's so many different people. Black people come from all different backgrounds and 
places. And I think that a lot of what I think that that also speaks to a lot of what has gotten lost, you know, with social media is nuance in general, it just like as a, an umbrella thing. But it's also, I mean, I think back to when I was in high school, and then college, and I was in, I was always an honor student. So I was in some of the more advanced classes where you would, you know, hypothetically be learning more information or more complex information. And I'm like, I feel like my entire education was like, here's all the different kinds of Europeans. Uh, anyway, Africa's a country, uh, country. <laughs> whoa, uh, Africa's a continent that exists. Um, and you'll figure that out someday. <laughs> and it's like, there's so many, co- like, there's so many countries in Africa. And they're all different and there's different languages and different cultures and just like anywhere else on the planet people look different and it's like it's so wild to me that it's uh, I mean in the last handful of years I've retrained my brain to say black rather than african-american because I'm like well you're not necessarily also from africa or you know like I Anyway, that's a whole other thing. Basically, I'm just saying that I'm perfect. <laughs> yes. I really sound like I'm talking myself up here. But I'm I'm all that to say, I think that that is really important, especially because I think that that's not something that people necessarily have a window into all the time. Yeah. Yeah. You well, know? well, it's like, and, and that's the thing, right? Is like, I think even, you know, me, like, I've been black my whole life, right? Like, and there's there's a little of <laughs> I assumed. Like, every day. And there's like a lot that I just don't know because like you said, like it's not taught in schools. It's not necessarily like, you know, the headlining, uh, you know, performance on Broadway. You're not seeing it. You're not hearing about these things. But like, I think just creating some space to where like people can see all of the different shades and all of the different experiences is so important. And you know, I remember reading something and I think it was Issa Rae had said this a while back and somebody was like, oh, well, like, you know, what time, what kind of show do you want to do? Do you want to have like cool hip black people or like, you know, gangster black people? And she was like, I just want to show geeky black people. I just want to show, you know, black people yeah. watching TV doing nothing or like, you know, just, yeah. just, just being human. You know what I mean? And yeah. just like, live- it's like Seinfeld is liter- was literally pitched as a show about nothing. So <laughs> I... It's, can you give other people a chance? Right. For fuck's sake. Right. Lisa, pitch the, please pitch the show. Okay. Sell it at Black Seinfeld. We're good. Okay. Yeah. Can you imagine just going in? Yeah. So it's about nothing. They'd be like, please leave. And we're not, also, we're not validating your parking either because nice. this is ridiculous. So your, your car is being uh, towed right now as we talk. Yeah, it wasn't even parked in the wrong zone. We're just going to tell on principle. Um, I also think like uh, one thing I was uh, talking to about uh, talking about with a friend recently is I think that entertainment is also as silly as entertainment is, like as as absurd as it is for us to make money (laughs) making shit up. (laughs) (laughs) or at least it feels absurd to me because i'm like certainly this isn't important but i think it is important it's as important as you can make it because i think entertainment 
especially like television and movies, things that are more accessible to people outside of cities, like outside of major cities, play a humongous role in people's perception of of other cultures and people that are unlike them. And I just as an example, I <laughs> have a, a, a take a lot of issue with uh, quote unquote Hollywood. Uh, for being for having these platitudes where pe- you know people in uh, entertainment will be like, how how dare people in the Midwest think horrible things of Muslim people? And then it's like, okay, well then why don't you cast Muslim people as something other than terrorists? Because uh, the people of Oklahoma are watching <laughs> movies where every bad guy is Muslim, so. I feel like that's going to inform their opinion. Yeah, it's, it's it, it. I don't know that it. Ugh, don't get me started. So <laughs> it's I. I think I was like I googled it, like you know, perception of like black people in media or something. Like I was like doing an application for something. Oh, because you were cutting. <laughs> <laughs> essentially. And you know, one thing that they had said is like people, and I'm sure this is like apl- applicable to any group, right? Whether it's like. Uh, a minority or even just like women in general or like you know gay people or whatever right like it's Uh what you believe is shaped off of what you see and so like if you're constantly seeing like the same things and like you only see like oh i guess like you know all gay people wear cardigans and like (laughs) which is like a dumb example but (laughs) 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 or like you know all black people are like rappers or basketball players or whatever then like you don't know any better. And I think, you know, I I feel so grateful that, you know, I'm from right outside of Atlanta. So (laughs) I grew up seeing all of these different kinds of blackness. Like, you know, Atlanta is like, it's pretty black. Like there's like, you know, there's, there's professional black people, but then there's also like, you know, artists. And then there's also lawyers and there's just, it runs the gamut. Like I grew up seeing like all of these different types of blackness. And I thought that that was just how it was. And then I went to college and I was like, damn, there's a lot of white people. Like, (laughs) like, like, (laughs) dare I say too many. (laughs) It was like, like, damn, like, has it been like this the whole time? You know what I mean? Like going to Maryland was like, okay. And, you know, I think the other thing that happened was like, I met other people you know, black people who were surprised, who were like, oh yeah, it's either like this or like that. And there's no in between. And I think like, you know, something that I hope to do with my comedy and with my writing is to just show like, there's so many shades and so many depths and so many ideas and, you know, there's a lot, you know, and I just want to show as much as I can and, and bring that to the world and, and make people smile and show that not all gay people wear cardigans, so. Yeah, but um, they all wear loafers. Yes, so we're clear. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. It is also like it. It does feel a little bit promising that I feel like as, uh, unfortunately, uh, it it seems like all non-white people have had to, and like non-binary people have had to prove themselves as marketable, which is absurd because every goddamn show is white people and it is boring uh (laughs) but i feel like as there there is proven to be more of a market there is more room for people to be different and have their own voices uh which is nice 
not to just take you down a rabbit hole of just purely race stuff. I just, um, re- I'm just really fascinated in sociopolitical uh, things and how that connects to entertainment and how, you know, you can change people's minds. Yeah, well, it's, you know, when you think about, you know, Barack Obama and him getting elected and like, you know, I'm not the big, his biggest fan and I, you know, definitely have a couple of critiques, but I do think that like seeing, you know, a person that identifies as black in that position who like he was, thank God, he was never in any mess. You know, Michelle is like classy AF. Their kids are like, you know, got their shit together. It's like, this is what, we can be, we can be this, we can be in a professional space, we can be, you know, well spoken and educated and smart. And I just want the world to see that because I think I grew up seeing that in Atlanta, you know, not necessarily in my family or people that I know, but just, you know, in different interactions and in different scenes. And like, I just want people to see that because it, it really bothers me on a deep fundamental level when like, I'll be in a situation or a position. And I think, people make decisions based off of what they think I am or what they think people that I love am or, and it's just like, let's not do that in 2023. Let's. Yeah. Let's please not do that. (laughs) I think that is also a great point about Obama. And I'm not, um, I'm not a big fan of Kamala, Um, (laughs) but I, um, I should say Vice President Kamala. That sounds really, that's a little too, that's disrespectful, <laughs> regardless of what I think of her. Um, but I'm like, I also think it's very important for young girls and especially like not white young girls to see her serving as Vice President. And when people are like, but, but she's this and this, I'm like, we have had exclusively mediocre vice presidents since the beginning of time guys so let let a fucking woman be mediocre for christ's sake (laughs) i mean it's like god were you there for dick cheney like it this is not the like (laughs) have you been asleep (laughs) right like okay you know um so you are you said you're touring blackout around right now first of all what gave you the idea to tour just to get uh, more exposure to new crowds and more people yeah like so i honestly the biggest thing is new york obviously as you know as anybody knows is it's liberal right like you're you're kind of doing the same thing with the same people and like and i love that i love this city it's great you know but i i want to broaden our reach out and i want you know this to be a thing that like people have heard of or there's they've seen and you know I'm trying to, we're trying to do the Tyler Perry method. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is what he did and he toured it around and he grew his audience. And so I think that's what we're trying to do is just, (laughs) is like, honestly, is just grow the audience. Cause I think the other thing that's like, you know, a reason why we're touring is, and I'm not sure if, if this was something that you did as well, you know, coming from improv, but like a lot of people that I knew for a long time, it was like, okay, if you get on a UCB team and you come when, you know, the managers and the agents come and this person comes and like, you'll be good and that's what will happen. But it's like, well, what do you do if that's no longer available? You know what I mean? Like, what do you do if there is no theater? What do you do if you can't afford to take classes? What do you do if like that opportunity or like that pipeline isn't available to you? 
And I think as you just create your own content and you get the funniest people that you know and you just push it out there and hope for the best. So <laughs> that's Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I think some of the best things also come from creating opportunities for yourself because you can carve your own path versus... And no shade to... Uh, obviously, it's very exciting to be, quote unquote, chosen for things and have a manager show up and be like, you. <laughs> or, you know, have Lorne Michaels come and be like... <laughs> Just silently nod in the theater, <laughs> as I, I've heard he does. Uh, <laughs> just uh, not laugh and uh, decide that you are chosen. Um, not to take away from any of that, but it's also like, fuck, that's such a small place to place your bets. Yeah. I mean, and I find that when you make your own path, you end up more where you want to be because you get to call your own shots. I mean, like nobody's, if you present your sketch show to someone and they put you up in a theater, they're not also going to say, okay, and you have to redo all this stuff. It's like, here's my package, take it or leave it. This is what I'm selling to you. Yeah, it's, it's take it or leave it. And it's also like, you know, the other thing that I'm really excited about is like, like you said, like when you create your own thing, you can figure out okay what are my what are my skill sets what am i good at and like pr- trying to perform towards that and like something that like i'm really excited about as somebody who you know comes from like a television background right like for many years that was my day job is like working in television is like how can we which take- is so hilarious because so <laughs> like that was my side job that i uh couldn't wait to get out of <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like i know that's um People's dream, but not that interning for free or PA work are anyone's dream. If it is, get your head checked. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm sorry, you were saying so as as with that as your day job. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it's 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 the thing about making your own thing is like you can figure out like what am I good at and you can play to that, right? So like something that I'm excited about with this show and like with touring it and also really tapping into the streaming market is like okay how can we figure out a pay model for this? How can, like, what is the minimum number of tickets that we need to sell in terms of streaming that we can make a profit that people can get paid? And they might not, you know, make hundreds of dollars, but I think something that is, was standard in New York for a long time, which I'm sure was the same way in Chicago or, you know, LA is like, performers don't get paid, you know, but they're like working very hard and some people have kids and they have to take off for their jobs. And so, you know, that's another thing that I'm trying to figure out is like, how can we make ourselves self-sufficient? How can we like build the brand and how can we Mm -hmm. like just make something dope? Yeah. It is, that is, um, I'm really glad that you brought that up because that is, it's hard to figure out the value of things because it is so subjective. And it's like, well, if you charge too little, people will think there's no value and also you won't make money for what you're doing. And then if you charge too much, you're going to price yourself out. So it's like, where, how do you, just figuring that out is so tough. And I, I find that like, you know, like you start by working at a deficit with (laughs) where you're like, okay, I'm paying to put this up. And then once you start breaking even, it feels like a miracle. (laughs) (laughs) 
It's like, wow, I'm making zero finally. <laughs> yes, baby. Yeah. It's well that that what you're saying is like it's the realest shit ever. Like doing putting the show up and then realizing, oh thank God, like I'm not gonna go into debt doing a fucking sketch show <laughs> was like such a relief, you know? Yeah. 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 That is um that is really funny. Wait, so where did you you're taking it to LA? When are you doing that and oh and you said sorry I'm like looking at my notes from earlier because I don't I can't remember anything from five minutes ago (laughs) you said you're doing a run of shows for Juneteenth and then LA in August yeah so I what we're gonna do in Juneteenth is I'd love for us to end back at caveat that's kind of like our home theater and I I you know, I love the folks over at the Caveat. I just want to give them a shout out. They're so like invested in the community and their performers and people that they put up there. And I've had such a great experience. I love you, Alex. She is the best or they are the best. Excuse me. Um, so just a shout out to them. And I think, you know, once we go to L.A., we floated a couple of places over. I don't want to say it unless it's like a thing, you know, because I don't want to be like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, this theater. And then they're like, psych. And then you're like, I meant in the parking lot. <laughs> <laughs> Right. You're like, so sorry, I am doing it here. I've already promoted it. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, we're going to we're going to take it back to caveat and in there. So yeah, it'll be it'll be a good time. I'm excited. I love that. What is is your ultimate goal with it? Is it to have this be a touring show or get residencies at different theaters or to shoot it as a television show? Yeah, I mean, honestly, like and I want to speak the truth because I want it to happen. You know, I don't want to like bullshit and be like, whatever happens, yeah. happens. Um, I ultimately, I want to write and be a showrunner. Like, that's what I really, really want to do. So I think, you know, if there was a world where that would be possible, amazing, you know. But I think at the very least, like, I would love for it to just be a platform for the dopest, funniest, you know, black sketch and improv actors to shine. And for it to be, like, a name of, like, oh, yeah, so-and-so, yeah, she's from Blackout. Oh, so-and-so, who's on da-da-da-da, oh, they're from Blackout. You know what I mean? I love that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, also, I mean, you're – it's funny that you say, I want to write and be a showrunner. (laughs) You are writing and showrunning right now. It's just not on television. Oh, I know. Like, we're doing all the things. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying that, like, just simply submit it. Uh, you just put it in the submission form and you'll get your time slot. That's it. Did you have Peacock's number? Just call Peacock yeah, and it's yeah. the show. Yeah, no kidding. Um, when is the next show that's in New York? Yeah, it'll be Juneteenth. We're going to do our Juneteenth show. And I think what uh-huh. we're going to end up doing is the, th- I think it's the second or third weekend in June. We'll start doing a show there. So it'll be two weeks in June and then we'll circle back to LA hopefully boom Chicago in July we'll see um but the yeah the first show is going to be the second week in June I love that so much um uh are you so during this time to just to talk about your other other talents um (laughs) uh do you write and perform outside of that right now or is that your main focus yeah, I, I do. I've been I've been doing more and more stand up. You know, it's funny because for a long time, and I don't know if it was like this for you, but for like a long time, I was like, "Ew, stand up." I do improv. Like I was like, uh-huh. I was like one of those people that was like, "Oh my gosh!" Like I loved it. Like it was my my shit, and I would never do stand up. And then COVID happened, 
And then it was like, suddenly you can't be around other people. Yeah, and, and you're like, now that theaters are shut down, I will start. Yeah, right. <laughs> live um, performance. Yeah, I'm like, oh, hi. Uh, uh, all these New York theaters that I did not like, but now I'm going to all the time for stand-up. Hilarious. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, and so I started doing stand-up. And honestly, I love it. Like, I I will say, when you, when you bomb... It's hard because you're by yourself and it's like, oh, yeah. my chest. But like if you have... And you like look over your shoulder like, who just bombed? In here? <laughs> <laughs> right. What is happening? God, that was awful. Ugh. Who can I blame? <laughs> right. Like is that just... Yeah. But like if it's if it's good and it is hitting and the, the crowd is feeling you and you're feeling the crowd and it just is like that, that, that gel, that feeling, then like, oh, I just, I can't get enough. Um, so I'm just going to focus on standup and just doing that and just hopefully growing like my social media presence. Cause I think, I think that's the other thing that like is really interesting in, you know, the current climate of like comedians is like, you could be very funny and like, you could have, you know, really good content. But I think if you don't have like a certain following, it's hard to get traction and I get it. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause it, it you know, um, you do have to get butts and seats it shows uh because as much as a booker might like your act if uh people aren't coming out to see you they're going to be like well i'll just get tickets to see you somewhere else oh. <laughs> oh. no yeah so wait wait so i assume you did your first stand-up show over zoom then since it was pandemic um i'm trying to think was my first time? no actually it was it was it was where was i it wasn't was it the broadway comedy club i think they were doing like an like a indie night or something like that Ooh. like yeah like i i it's weird because for like when i first started doing it i i was so self-conscious i would just write and write and write and write and write and like finally i was you're like, way ahead of other comics <laughs> <laughs> um and finally i was like okay and i bought a microphone and i would just like uh -huh. practice at home and then by the time... Oh, my God. I love that. <laughs> it's so lame. You're my... such a student. I'm I'm so impressed. I don't even think I understood how to hold the mic for the first, like, year. It makes a difference, like, ha like, like feeling it in your hand and, like, taking it off the stand and, like, feeling comfortable and, like, not being uh -huh. weirded out, you know? Um, and my brother came over and he was like, that's so lame. You're so lame. But anyway, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I just started doing it. And, like, you know, sometimes it goes better than others, but I... I will say like, and you know, I don't know if I like aspire to be like, you know, a great stand up or anything like that. I think for me, it's like, I want to be, and I don't want to offend, but like, I want to be a joke bitch. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're yeah. just like, yeah, yeah. It, yeah. Like just joke, 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 joke. And I think stand up is like a great way to do that. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think also all the different um, disciplines, but God, that sounds so clinical. <laughs> Uh, all the different avenues of comedy it's first of all it's nice and i probably am repeating myself from another episode but i love that um i love that comedy has so many different avenues you know it, there's sketch writing improv stand-up um you know becoming a right-wing psycho on a podcast <laughs> that's available to you uh, <laughs> just spreading misinformation that is one avenue uh <laughs> You know, and there's like TV and there's live performance and it's, it all feeds into each other. And I love, it sounds to me like you were like, well, I can't do improv right now. And you just had such 
a well of creativity inside of you that sounds so fucking corny but like <laughs> you're just like okay well i have to get this out yeah somehow yeah because yeah it's like between between that and then also like corn dream was the other thing that i did which was like um it was like a web series and it was just based off of like uh, black and brown comedians trying to make it in New York City and survive a pandemic. Like that was the the line, right? And it was it was really nice because it was like for the first time I was able to gather with like my friends who I hadn't seen in a long time and like shoot something and like you know we got into a couple of festivals which was cool. But I think the thing that stand up does that like you know making other content doesn't do in that same way is like if you're not funny or your jokes don't hit, there's nothing that can cover it up on stage. Like, it's just like, it's like you're either funny or you're not, which is like hard, but it's also like, it can be reaffirming because it's like, okay, this is what I need to do, or this is what I need to work on, or like, this is what I can improve upon. And like, I don't know, like I I like stand up now. So it's like crazy. I love that so much. I'm so glad you've come over to our side. (laughs) (laughs) did you with the first time you did it were you like oh hell yeah this is it or did it take you a little while um the first time I did it I was like actually I you know I I I liked it I was very scared and I was like very very stiff actually I'm trying to think I actually the first time that I felt good about it I was in LA because I I, had gone to LA for like you know a month because we're just not as strong (laughs) no no just (laughs) the opposite actually and I don't I don't know how many New York uh stand-ups are watching this but from my experience it was like and I don't know if this is like taboo or like I don't know if I should say this but I'm gonna say it I noticed just my observation I was only there for three weeks but it seemed Which like is the, the truth. Your observations are <laughs> true. <laughs> it seemed like the stand-ups that I saw were like so polished and they were so good. And I was like, oh my God, these are really like strong people. But like the sketch and the improv that I saw, I wasn't as impressed. Uh, yeah. Um yeah, yeah. But it could have been because like, you know, UCB was shut down and like I I don't know. It could have been like a number of factors. But like the stand-up was was pretty good. But I, I think I will say the difference that I have seen between like a New York audience and an LA audience is like you know how it is. Like in LA, it's like, I've come to laugh. And in New York, yeah. it's like, make me laugh. Like, it's like, you better, you better work and you're climbing. And even if you say something yeah. funny, they might just not laugh just because they're like, you know, it's fucking New York, you know? It's a different yeah, vibe. That's really yeah. funny. Yeah. I do find, though, uh, on the other end of things, as far as like the inter- interpersonal side, if you prove yourself to be funny in New York, or at least my experience has been like, if you go on a show and you do well, because look, I'm only visiting out there. So I'm only doing a material out there. I'm not fucking around. Um, and if you do really well, other comics will immediately be like, hey, let me help you get at this club. Let me help you get at this club. Where here, it's almost the complete opposite, where there's like this weird scarcity mindset in Los Angeles, in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles, where like you do really well and everyone's like, Fuck her. Don't give her any emails. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. oh, I mean, I've uh, maybe I'm just uh, sometimes one person will set my perception of <laughs> everything. <laughs> yeah. If I'm being honest, yes. um, uh, I say that as like two of my friends are pushing me to get uh, repped with their reps. Uh, so that's <laughs> kind of unfair for me to say. But I think I think that that can happen a lot too. Um, but that said i think there's more good people than bad and it's nice that it's such a, the comedy community is so massive 
that you don't, there's no need to fuck with the rude people. You know, it's like, oh, there's plenty of cool people. And it's also funny. I don't know if, um, since you're newer to stand up, I don't know if, well, you know what? You would have noticed this with writing and improv and stuff. When I first started, I was told by an older comic, they were like, uh, what the fuck did they say? They were like, other comedians will get you more work than any agent or manager ever will. And I'm like, oh, yes, every single job I've ever had has come from another comedian recommending me. Yeah, that's real. That's it's You know, I think it's that just it's just it's just the industry, man. Like even, yeah. you know, even like producing gigs, like it's always somebody that I know. It's always like, oh, so and so is like loved you or they you did a good job or whatever. It's never like, oh, here's my application. Okay, waiting for the call. Like that's never happened in the history. Yes. Of my life. <laughs> you yeah. just sit next to the phone. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> a landline, no less. Oh um, yeah. Rotary. Yeah. It is funny because you know, there's the old saying, oh, it's it's who you know in the business, which sounds daunting when you get started. But then it's like, oh, that just means like your friends are looking out for you. That just means I think it's who you know, at least for me, before I started in uh, before I like dove into the industry, who, you know, to me sounded like you better get out there and meet producers and executives and they're already working with comedians and they're going to those comedians and going, okay, who else would be good for this? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So it's like it doesn't hurt to know executives and producers and things, but it doesn't help you the way that you think or as much as just knowing other cool comedians. Yeah, and it's it's so funny that you say that cuz one of my one of my girlfriends when um like before I started doing stand up, I was like, I don't, you know, like stand ups are just like they're just like mad at the world. And she was like, actually, like, they're really nice and like I've gotten these gigs from like meeting people and like doing shows with people and like you know, I think that was one of the the reasons why I decided to move New York or move from New York originally was because I was like everybody's moved, everybody's left. I miss my community, mm-hmm. you know. And I think that was one of the things that I got to see from Blackout was like actually this community still exists. It's just evolved. It's just changed, but the people are still here, and like the love of the craft and like wanting to get the art out is still alive and well. Yeah, I love that. Do you, as far as writing goes, do you write outside of? comedy i'm just curious because you're uh you seem like you're just overflowing with creativity god this sounds so corny please (laughs) please stop yourself lisa uh (laughs) like you've you you uh seem like you just have so much you want to get out and say and do uh do you are you writing like screenplays or a book or anything else outside of that yeah, so Yet. I I definitely <laughs> I definitely write screenplays. They're they're comedy. Um I feel like, you know, Lisa, I got a book in me. Like I feel Good. like it's there, but I'm just like so busy just hustling and struggling trying to make it as a comedian that I can't like focus on it long enough. But I I definitely think ultimately like you know, if the opportunity presented itself, I'd love to write a book and like something that I eventually hope to do, you know, is like my my dad is actually a writer and he writes like fiction he's written for years is like i love that <laughs> that is so cool yeah yeah it's it's well honestly he was actually a newspaper reporter for many many years um he was at like usa today and the ajc and that's why i got into news was because i was like oh i want to be like my dad who like travels the world and does all these things but that was in the 80s and it was not like that now 
Um, yeah. But I, I say that to say, like, I would love to make films out of his books. Like, he just writes about, like, the coolest shit. Like, you know, like, it's almost like he, he had this book that he, he published, like, maybe 10 years ago. And it was about, it's almost like True Detective. But if you could imagine, mm-hmm. like, a Michael B. Jordan type character is, like, the lead. I'm interested. I know! That, that's what I was thinking. I, I was like... You could sell me anything. With he could... <laughs> literally anything (laughs) it's yeah like it's like you know it has like the southern drip and like you know true detective-y vibes and Mm -hmm. like you know troubled love interest it has all the things but i say that to say like you know comedy is definitely i would love for it to be the entry point but i just feel like like you were saying like there's so many stories that i see and you know come from people that i know or like just like real perspectives that i i eventually want to make but like you know i just got to we just gotta, we gotta get in. That's the first step. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I do want to see that. If you don't mind getting, uh, <laughs> moving that along. <laughs> Again, if it's not too much trouble. <laughs> Got you. I, so let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Hilarious. Um, well, thank you so much for being on. I have one last question I like to ask everyone. Um, if your childhood self, like eight-year-old Jeffrey, could meet you as an adult today, what would they think of you? Um, I think, you know, I think she would be impressed. And it's so funny that you ask this question because I was thinking this the other day, like, oh, yeah, like, because I, you know, I think like people, like, especially women, you know, like, we're so hard on ourselves, you know, and like, Ooh, yeah. like, it's like, we're so hard of like, I should have done this, or I should have done that, or I could have done this, or I could have done that. And it's like, you know what, like, just show yourself some grace, you know, like, first of all, we all survived a pandemic, good job. Second, yeah. you know, I think, as long as you are staying true to like, what your intentions are, and like, your intentions are true, and like, what you're trying to do isn't like, you know, fucking pollute the Ohio River or whatever bullshit, like, I think that's good, right? Like, and I think I would be impressed with myself because I'm doing the thing. And I think for a long time, especially after pandemic hit, it was like, oh my God, like, how am I going to get these stories out? How am I going to like get black comedy out? How am I going to like push, you know, these things that are important to me? And like, this show is the first time that all the components of my life came together and clicked is like, okay, Jeffrey is a producer, Jeffrey is a writer. And then, you know, Jeffrey is a creator of like, pulling together all of these like dope voices and these dope stories and these dope ass performers. And I just hope that the world takes to it and just likes it. I love that so much. I I sincerely cannot wait uh, to see Blackout and, uh, you know, just catch you live in person. Oh my gosh. Yeah. You're an absolute delight. Thanks. You're going to get all the parking lot tickets. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Amazing. <laughs> hey, if, if all else fails, you could do it in my backyard. Uh, Look at that. See, that's the universe. That, there it is. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, well, thank you so much for being on today. Oh, and can I do a plug for our socials? Oh, yeah. Okay. Go for it. Uh, so follow us uh, at Blackout Comedy. And that's B-L-A-C-K-O-U-T-Y-Y-Y. I, I love it.
Thanks so much for listening. Once again, that was Jeffrey Elizabeth Copeland. You can follow her personally on Instagram at jazzy underscore Jeff. And you can follow her show Blackout on Instagram at Blackout Comedy with three Ys. Definitely, definitely get tickets to that show. I know I'm going to go as soon as I can. I can't wait. It sounds incredible. And of course, I am Lisa Curry. You can find me on Instagram and most other places at Olympian Lisa Curry. And please do. I've got a lot of cool stuff coming up. April, I am touring Poland and then the UK. And then at the end of May, I will be touring Spain. I am so excited. I do have a lot of shows in the US as well. uh, So you could check my Instagram account again at Olympian Lisa Curry for those dates. Other than that, we will see you right back here next Thursday. Thank you so much. Bye.